you know what time it is. Football season, Q4. It's time to close out another year of growth and prep for the next year of revenue. To bring in more business this Q4 and beyond, you need HubSpot Sales Hub. With a smart prospecting workspace, deal management suite, and AI-powered apps, you can take total control of your operation to generate more leads and land more sales. And when you pair Sales Hub with other hubs and HubSpot Smart CRM, your team will be on the same page across the entire customer journey. Leads won't slip through the cracks and data is connected across marketing, sales, and operations so you can better measure your impact on the bottom line. Stop sticking to those same old strategies and start closing more deals because the best time to score is Q4. Make the switch to HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com sales. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, friends. Today, I am back with an update episode with Jamila Soufran. Jamila is an author of the book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, and the host of the Journey to Launch podcast. She's considered a go-to thought leader in the personal finance field, and her work has been featured in Essence, Refinery29, Money Magazine, CNBC, you name it. The Journey to Launch podcast has over four plus million total downloads and was listed by the New York Times as a podcast to help you get better with your money. Jamila is also one of my good girlfriends, podcasting friends, masterminders, and it's just such an honor to have her back because I've learned and been so inspired by her. If you checked out episode 142 of the podcast back in 2019, she shared how actually save and her approach to personal finance helped her to be able to quit her job and take her side hustle full time. So her and her husband saved $169,000 in just two years living in New York City with kids and are currently debt free besides their mortgage. And she shares this journey in her book and on her podcast. She's a mother of three young children. Again, like I said, living in New York City. So there's so much to learn from how she's able to juggle this all. And it starts with her mindset, which we talk about in today. Today's episode. So let's get right into it. So welcome, welcome to the guest chair again, Jamila. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Nikayla. Of course, I had to have you back. So much has happened since we last spoke in 2019. While when we spoke in 2019, you were a full-time entrepreneur, but you know, you were still um, getting your sea legs, so to speak, figuring out which revenue path you wanted to stick with, still testing things out. So walk us through what's happened since 2019. How were you able to kind of find your way as an entrepreneur? Yes. Well, Nikayla, as you know, from being an entrepreneur, it's not easy I don't think, especially if you are someone who, like myself, is very not just I find myself to be very self-aware, but self-conscious. So that also plays kind of a double edged sword in. I think it helps me to really dive deep into what I actually want. 
But then, you know, I want to make sure I'm making money and running my business and putting work out into the world that feels true to me. Mm -hmm. And especially because the content I talk about is all about financial freedom. And I left my corporate job to pursue my goals, which entrepreneurship necessarily wasn't a part of that plan in the beginning. So all that to say that when 2019, when we first spoke, I think I was still like maybe a year out from quitting my job and Mm -hmm. doing this full time. And since then we have the pandemic (laughs) um, and things have changed, but it also helped to reassure me that it's okay that I don't have it all figured out because I've been able to make it work really well, even still with me figuring out. And I honestly think that's the whole point of entrepreneurship and life is it's an experiment. And to me, if you say you have it all figured out and nothing changes, I I don't actually believe you. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. I don't believe a lot of people on the Internet, but that's that's another conversation. (laughs) So one of the things about you is you're always encouraging to me. You know, when I listen to your episodes, feel inspired and encouraged because you share that path of, okay, there was a point, I don't know if you still do that, but you were doing like income reports, right? Um, So I forget what year it was where it was like, you had like a $400,000 year. And then you were like, I think I'm going to stop sharing after this, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Yeah. (laughs) So what happened during that year? You know, it seemed like you really got into your groove. I did. So I remember when I first shared how much I made on an annual basis. I think it was under 50,000. And then the following year was two something. And then the year after that, it was almost half a million, right? I was like saying half a million because that sounds better than 400,000, but almost half a million. <laughs> and right, you know, right, 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 right. <laughs> I think since then, like the change in that was I focused and leaned more into my content and making sure Mm -hmm. that was good, which then brought on Mm -hmm. more opportunities. So I've tried everything. I I don't know if I mentioned this on the previous episode, but I feel like I've tried almost every avenue for revenue in terms of I've had, you know, digital products where I sold it for not a lot of money, maybe like $25. I've had courses like mid-level courses. I've had high ticketed coaching programs that I've tried. I've had a membership that I had and also ended up shutting down, but I will mm-hmm. most likely be having another one soon. You'd be the first one to know, Nikayla. <laughs> but I've okay. tried, good, good, I've good. tried all those things because I wanted to really see what felt good. And in yes. those moments in the past, none of it really felt good, you know, f- to be honest. Um, and part of that was I felt that I was creating the same chains for myself that I was breaking away from when I left corporate America. Like mm. I was putting myself on this treadmill that I had to work when yes. I didn't want to work, create things when I didn't want to create them, sell things when I didn't want to yeah. sell them. And I always have been transparent with my audience to say that I didn't want to have to do those things. That's the whole reason why I'm pursuing this path of financial freedom and independence. It's why I'm telling my audience to do the same. And so I think when I, so when I started to make more money, it was still, I felt like I was still doing it out of integrity. But once I started to feel like it was too much and overwhelming, especially Mm -hmm. being like a singlepreneur, it's me and I have a couple contractors. I said, let me focus on what really matters to me, which was to get my work out into the world in a way that was digestible in different formats. So the podcast, the Journey to Launch podcast is one, but I knew that a book would be the other way I'd want 
to get my content out into the world. And so yes. when I started to yes. see that that was viable and a pathway, I said to myself, let me pursue that and shut down all the other things that just didn't feel good at the moment or I didn't have enough support to do. And which has kind of led me into writing my book. And once the book comes out, I know that there'll be another pivot or at least it will expand me in some more areas that I think will better serve me as an entrepreneur. I'm so glad that you shared that transparently because entrepreneurship is similar to working for someone else in the sense that you have to explore to figure out your career path. Same way you have to explore to figure out your entrepreneurship path. So you explore different revenue streams and sometimes it works for a few years and then, but then you discover, you know what, this is not working or aligning with where I am in my life anymore. So I have to pivot yet again. And that's what you've done. So how do you know when something is for you or not for you as you're side hustling and testing it? This is great to figure out. I think for everyone, it feels different when it doesn't feel right, because how do you know it's just not something that's uncomfortable that you should still push through because it's challenging your existing and limiting beliefs or that it's just not for you. It's similar to working out, right? Like if you're working out, it's going to be tough. So do you just stop because a rep gets harder? Or for my case, when I run, do I just stop at the second mile just because it's tiring or do I push myself and feel so amazing afterward? And I think that's what trips a lot of people up is that they either keep going further, um, testing a limit that was not meant to be tested because it just wasn't for them, or they stop before they have a breakthrough and see that they actually love the thing. So I think being honest with how you feel when you are doing that thing, and no one can tell you what that feels because there's someone who's selling. That is. Right. There's someone doing the exact same thing as you or that you don't want to do that loves it, you know, and has no problem doing it versus you, right? So it's going to be different. I think for me, it's almost just like I can't deny it anymore. I don't think there's anything wrong with testing your boundary. And even if you go too far and you realize, oh, it wasn't for me, that's still fine. You didn't fail yourself, right? So I right. think that's the first thing is that you don't have to know right away. And so for me, what would happen is that I would just feel very uh, overwhelmed, unhappy showing up to if I was delivering maybe a live event or course within something that I was doing. I just didn't feel good. Not only not like while I was doing it, but leading up to it, I would have maybe a bit of anxiety and just my whole day would just be off. So that's when I realized that this is not the best way that I can show up in my business or the world, right? And yes. what's even yeah. more important, this is why to me, foundationally, financial freedom is so important because I'm able to make those changes and pivots and pull back when I don't want to do things because I have financial freedom and stability. So, yes. you know, yes. I can shut things down if I don't want to do it or not come out with a course because I just don't feel like it because I have some savings, business savings. I have personal savings. I have a way in which there is income coming into the business. So I think the first thing to do is for anyone who's side hustling or has a business is to make sure you're setting up these systems for yourself that you can land mm -hmm. on if you need to pause or take a break. That way you have that option. Yes. And what we spoke about in the very first episode that you were on, which is episode 142, guys, is that the power of saving actually is what allowed you to become an entrepreneur. So sometimes 
people think they have to start this big thing, like they're going to have an aha moment, then it's going to make so much money, and then they can become an entrepreneur. But what if you save and gave yourself a time frame, like I'm going to live off my savings for this amount of time while I do this? Or even better, before you do that, start testing the different revenue streams. And then you're able to leave when you have some income coming in or like you did, very, very positive outlook that income would come in. So you didn't necessarily have like your income replaced, which is what I like to encourage, but you knew that it was very, very, very optimistic that it and it would start coming. Right. And I think, again, everyone's situation is different. So when I made the decision to leave my job There were securities and measures in place. So I had an advantage and privilege of having a spouse that worked and had health care. So even though his income did not cover our household expenses, like we wouldn't be on the street if my business didn't work because I also saved up to cover and help cover those expenses. So with that, I think it's important to understand and look at the full financial picture before making any decisions. And then the other thing is knowing your enough point. So what I find is Mm. because I've been... So focused, you know, before I started Journey to Launch, like the whole purpose of this was for me to reach financial independence because I didn't want to work for anyone else. And it's funny because I I said I recently (laughs) had an epiphany that said, like, I don't even want to work for myself. So the point is, like, that still rings true. (laughs) Like, you know, ultimately, I want to do just what I want to do. And sometimes that involves work. And a Mm -hmm. lot of times that doesn't. So because I know that and because I actually started the business with that in mind, I didn't like start it to become famous or Instagram famous or, you know, any of those things, or even to be like a millionaire or very rich. I just, I started it to really authentically share my journey and to hopefully help others who wanted to reach Mm -hmm. the same thing. And then of course, when I quit my job and then when the purpose was to actually make money with my business so that I can still achieve my financial Mm -hmm. goals, the lines kind of got a little blurred, right? It's kind of like, how much work do I want to do to earn the money? And once I started to get into it, I started to realize what is your enough point? Because Yes, I could always have more and want more. You know, who wants to turn down more money? But if the trade-off for me is working more and more energy that I don't have to spend because I have three kids, I just don't want to do it, then what does that look like for me? What is the happy medium? What is my minimum amount that I need to make in my business to feel good? You know, it doesn't have to be a million dollars. It doesn't even have to be half a million dollars. But what is that number for me? And... How can I run it in a way that I feel good and ultimately serve the purpose that it's supposed to serve in the world? Yes, that's so important. I have heard people talking about that recently, that enough point. If you don't identify that, you just find yourself kind of on back on that treadmill, back on that, you know, just running, running, running. And what are you chasing and why are you chasing it? Is it possibly because you're spending (laughs) everything that you're making or most of what you're making? So you got to keep doing this. So then when you start to identify your enough point, you say, all right, well, here's how I want to live so that I don't have to keep chasing the dollar, even when I'm working for myself. Right. Now, writing a book, it seems almost natural that you would take this path because you started your journey to launch platform as a blog. So at what point in this process did you say, okay, I want to write a book. This would make sense for me, like you said before. So I've always been into writing and reading. Of course, I felt like that art has gotten lost in my adulthood as I got more busy and children. So I've always made that excuse. Like I don't read enough, but 
I realized that while the podcast is there and it, and it gives great content, that not everyone listens to podcasts. I, you know, Nikayla, that you still run into people and they're just like a what? <laughs> like a podcast? Or they're, you know, they have the app, but they don't listen. You know, there's just, it's one form. And I realized yes. that for the same amount of people or the reason why people like my content, if I could capture that in a book format, not only would I be able to help my existing listeners mm-hmm. be able to center and like get all the information in one place versus going through a lot of episodes, but I'd also be able to capture a new audience that may not be into podcasts, that would rather read a book yep. or listen to a book where everything is right. summarized for them. And I yes. I realized and I started to see that being a pathway because I always like seeing other people do things before me. And if someone else mm-hmm. does something, I feel like I can do it too. <laughs> so as I started to see other books or I got encouraged by other, whether business books, personal development books or finance books, I said, well, I know my book can be this for someone else, just like the podcast was for someone else to be able to quit their job or to get their finances together. And so once I realized that that was, you know, what I wanted to do, it was just a matter of finding the right steps or making the right steps to get me to that best path possible, which is how I like to work. I like to look at what the end goal is and then work backwards on all the steps I need to take to get there and put myself in that position to do it. Mm -hmm. So what are the steps that you need to take to get there? How do you go from thinking, I want to write a book to actually getting publisher, agent, picked up, all that stuff? First, it's to decide if you want to be traditionally published or self-published. So traditionally published, that's being published by big four, I think now the the publishing houses have combined, but there's so many um, sub-publishers and imprints under those publishers. I I forgot how many, but I think there are like hundreds of imprints under like the top four or five big publishers. And, but that's one way. So that's traditionally published. That is where there is like, you know, a Penguin Random House or HarperCollins, that brand behind your book, and they can help with distribution. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main benefit. And they pay you up front depending on your idea. So you get an advance. They okay. give you money in order to write the book and you have to earn out your advance, meaning you have to sell as much books to pay back that money that they just gave you. And then mm-hmm. you start making a profit. Versus you can self-publish, which you do it all on your own, um, writing, marketing. You won't get the same distribution or a shot at some of the lists that we see that people like to get on because typically that's reserved for traditional publishing. But you get to have full control and you get all the money. So whatever you you spend, what you want, make the decisions and you go there. I know for me, I wanted to go the traditional route. I knew it would provide more legitimacy and I wanted that money up front. So once I knew that, it was, okay, what do authors that have gotten great book deals and have had successful books, what had they done? They got an agent. Their book was able to go to bid, which means multiple publishers wanted to bid on it, which ran up the Mm -hmm. the price for how much you got for an advance. They had a platform first, right? That's why the publishers wanted to work with them. So there were all these things where I, I selected or I saw what other people were doing. And then I would look at who did they use for their resources, Who was their book agent? Or if they didn't have a book agent, did they work with someone to get a book proposal done? And so knowing all those things that I need a proposal to get the agent, and then the agent will introduce me to the publishers. I worked backwards to figure out, all right, so now I know I need to have the best book proposal 
in order to get the best agent and then in order to get the best publisher and the deal. Right. And so it started like I worked backwards, you know, deconstructing what that looked like and knew that my starting point was having the best book proposal. And I didn't want to write that myself. So I hired someone to help me do that, who had a proven track record in doing great proposals. And that's the route I went. And it also helped me to get the, I think the best deal as a first time author too. That's awesome. And how did you learn all of this? Was this through just listening to other podcasts about book publishing and authors and things like that? Yeah. So I talk about this in my book. You know, I you probably heard of following the breadcrumbs. Like there's just little yeah. hints of things that appear in your life. It's almost like a passing comment and you're like, oh, what's that? Or what I refer to in a the book is like clicking on the hyperlink. So, you know, we all read like a mm-hmm. web page and then there is a word that, you know, is important. So they hyperlink it back to something else. A lot of times we read over it and we mean to click on it, but we don't. But if we click on it, it takes us to a resource or a reference. And sometimes there's a hyperlink in yes. that. It keeps bringing you down like a pathway. And I like to say that I like to click on the hyperlinks in my life and I encourage mm-hmm. other people to do the same, which means that you have to follow like the most logical steps to things. So for me, if I'm interested in writing a book, I'm going to find, which I did, I find all the podcasts that talk about books, like book publishing, book marketing. And if I have friends who've written books, I ask them like, what did you do? Or I see who they reference as someone who helped them with their proposal or who was their Mm -hmm. agent. And, you know, not to overwhelm. So this can also be overwhelming. But if something is not my cup of tea or I don't like it, I just I don't listen to it anymore. But that's what I started to do. I started to look at what are some podcasts that I can listen to to get me acclimated to this new world of book writing and publishing? Who are the people that I may need to know who can I ask to get their advice or their experience on how this works? And of course, everyone's going to have their own, what they think you should do or what worked for them. And I think the art of clicking on the hyperlinks is to take what you need and leave what you don't. And so someone can say, well, I yes. would never pay someone to write a proposal. Like I'd rather keep that money and that's fine. But like someone for me, when my situation is, I don't want to spend hours or days or months doing this by myself, I'd rather pay that money if I think I can make that money back because of an increased advance that I can get. And so it's really about okay. interviewing, deconstructing the steps and placing yourself, immersing yourself in that world to see what is the best route for you. And then you chart your own path. Yes. What I love about what you're saying is it's essentially making it manageable. Whenever you start something new, it can be overwhelming. But if you find a way to make it manageable, if you say, all right, let me work backwards. What are the steps I need? I want to start a podcast. All right, let me start consuming podcasts, consuming, um, you know, courses or just even like short classes about starting a podcast, what I should know. Okay, let me look into the equipment and just go backwards from there. You get to your goal, but getting over, getting past that natural instinct to not do it because you're overwhelmed is huge. That's where the mental piece comes in. Business Made Simple, hosted by Donald Miller, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. 
Business Made Simple takes the mystery out of growing your business. I recently checked out the episode called Your Website Probably Stinks. Here's how to fix it. And it is a must listen for all of us because if you have a website, you need to know how to have the clearest messaging possible that shows how you solve your customer's problem. Listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. I listened to one of your recent episodes where you talked about how much your mentality is your secret weapon. Can you share a little bit more about what that means? Yeah. So mindset is everything. I feel that a lot of us, we want to do the work, which is important, like the action to get to the goal we want, whether that's with our business or our finances or whatever project we're working on. But ultimately, What sustains our action is our mindset. It's our habits. It's all the intangible factors that are not always quantifiable. And, you know, you can look at two people who came from different backgrounds, you know, privilege or whatever aside, but there's like, why does one person keep moving forward against obstacles and the other person like stop? And for me, I've always just saw that I'm my only obstacle and the obstacles are opportunities. And so when I have this mindset, which I also call the growth mindset, as opposed to a fixed mindset. So fixed meaning, you know, if something doesn't go your way or you can't figure it out, there's no way to rise above that. That's just what it is. There's no way to grow beyond versus a growth mindset is that if I can't figure something out, like there's no, I can't, (laughs) like I will eventually figure it out or I'll hire someone to help me or I will read until I understand it, right? There's always a way that you can figure it out. So with that, I just feel like everything I've I've done, even the things I'm doing now, it's not because I 100% have it figured out or that I'm 100% confident. You know, like I always admire the people who say that they're 100% confident and have no you know, fear or they know what they're doing. And I'm just like, that's just not me. But I feel like even though I feel those ways or that way, I don't let it stop me. You know, maybe it takes me longer to fulfill or do something because I'm thinking about it too much, but I'm going to do it. And even if I fail at it, even if it doesn't go the way I want it to go. And so that has been my, I feel, secret weapon to what you see now, me being in the world and expressing myself and putting my work there. And then, you know, I just think that so many more people can be living the lives they want if they just like got past those blocks or at least figured out like what those blocks are and started to come to terms with it and work on it. Oh, yes. And the concepts that Jamila is talking about, is actually discussed at length in the book Mindset by Carol S. Dweck. So we'll link to that. I want you guys to know that when we mention mindset, sometimes people think it's all woo woo. woo, woo. <laughs> We're not talking about woo woo stuff. We're literally talking about uh, what you say to yourself and everyone has a personal inner conversation with themselves. And you might not even realize that it was a growth versus fixed mindset category that you were putting things into. So it's really important to call this out so you can move forward. Yeah. And, you know, I get that whole how it can come off that way. And also it can also be a, I don't want to say victim blaming, but also it puts the onerous on the person. You know, you can't tell someone who's in poverty or poor, like, oh, just think your way out of it. You know, that's right. Right. No, (laughs) but there is, (laughs) there is something to be said that every person, no, I don't know everybody. Let me speak to my mom because I can Mm -hmm. speak to her situation as someone who is, who grew up poor and did not have much. And her mindset 
was that she was just going to figure it out. You know, came to this country when she was 20, I believe. She just had me, left me behind in Jamaica. And she had to figure it out. And it's not that she had to be almost like a bit delusional. I mean, I think every person who's done something that they haven't done before, someone around them has not done before, there's a bit of delusion in it because someone else around you is going to tell you there's no way you can do that. There's no way you can get your education. Who do you know in this country? You know, oh, in 20 years, you're going to have what? Like there's, they can't see that. And so, yes, it does seem a little bit like this does not make sense. You know, this seems you know, delusional in a way, but I do feel like there's some sort of uh, inexplainable, um, whether you call it delusion or internal motivation that has Mm -hmm. to happen, where whether you call Mm -hmm. it luck, privilege, um, you Mm -hmm. create your own privilege, you create your own luck, that you have to have Mm -hmm. a mindset like that. Because if we all just like looked around and just looked at how bad things were, why would any of us try anything? Why would any of us try? Why would we would just give up like, it's over now, it's over now. And speaking of that, like, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I just have to share this story. So I've been sharing a little bit more about, you know, my pregnancy over on Instagram. I shared this episode's coming out later, y'all. But back in August, I shared when I went to the Renaissance tour, you know, the Beyonce concert and had fun and in this reel. And, you know, it was great. Lots of lots of great energy and support behind that post. But then there was just one comment that's like, have fun now, because when that baby comes and I just delete comments like that, because I'm just like, girl, what are you talking about? First of all, I already have a baby. So, <laughs> like, you know, it's not my first baby. Second of all, I'm not saying that two is the same as one. However, what is the point of that comment, y'all? What? What be the point of these comments <laughs> that try to discourage people? What is the point? <laughs> Listen, I'm supposed to stop having fun exactly. now. I'm supposed to stop doing work now. No, that's what they want. I have two kids. Like, we'll figure it out. And you know, most people don't. That's what they want, though. But most people also don't mean any harm, like by the things yeah, they're doing. They think they're like helping. Weirdly, they think they're helping. Right. So I try to have that like mindset when I'm dealing with people mm-hmm. where I'm just like, what? Yeah. Like, you know, because there are going to be so many people yeah. who couldn't do what you do or have experience and done what you did and did not have a great experience with it who will try to, oh, they just want to protect you. I remember I, I interviewed someone and he had a book also and mm-hmm. we we're talking about something and he says something like, oh no, like, you know how many books don't sell? Like you'll never kind of sell as many books as you need to kind of earn your advance back. Wow. But again, I don't think he was being like, I'm going to tell her this because I want to crush her dreams. You could tell he was a very logical person and in his pathway, like he ticked and tied every number, everything was. And I Mm -hmm. thought to myself, if I would have came to him two years ago with my plan to get Mm -hmm. a traditionally published deal at a very good advance, he would have told me that was impossible too. Right. Like I'm not like I know that for you, it may seem impossible and maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I've done I've done things that people have not thought I could do. And I'm here. And so I just think you have to have that. You have to think back on the things you've done that you succeeded at. Also talk about Mm -hmm. placing yourself in situations where you're becoming a learner again. You know, when you think about when something has just been new to you and now it's like nothing that you figured it out. Even if you go back to your birth, like the chances of you being here are also very slim if you're listening to this podcast, right? So whatever evidence you need that's going to give you a confidence or to get you over that hump, use that because there are so many people who unfortunately are jaded, who mean well, but just don't mean well. Right, like you just got to push through it. 
Right. And the point of that book mindset, you know, bring it back to the whole growth versus fixed mindset is it helps you to not be your own naysayer. So being able to succeed as a side hustler, turn entrepreneur, it all comes down to not being your own naysayer because none of it is going to make sense in the beginning. The chances of you succeeding are very low. Like, let's put it out there. It is hard. It does require this, this stick to itness. And this, like you said, like, no, I'm going to figure it out kind of a thing. So go tap into that and also tap into Jamila's book. So now let's, let's transition back to the book itself, because I want to know exactly what is the book about? Like your journey to financial freedom. What can people expect to take away when they read this book? So the tagline or the subtitle is a step-by-step guide to achieve wealth and happiness, because it's important that while we're on this path, you know, I, I honestly think that the financial freedom path, it's a life path or the financial independence path yes. is like a life path because we all are impacted by the money we have or don't have. And money, mm-hmm. it's a tool, but it gives us options. It gives us options to walk away from a job, a relationship, a situation that is just not great for us, or it allows us to capitalize or use things to our advantage to make our lives better. And yeah, for me... I think there's a way to go about achieving financial independence and freedom in a way that feels good, where you can have happiness. It doesn't have to be a dreadful journey where, you know, we're talking about paying off debt or investing. It's kind of like, oh, that's so boring. And, you know, maybe at first it is. But I think when you start to realize the benefits of making the steps of doing the work and making the work feel good, it's just like, why not? You know, God willing, we'll get old anyway. And either way, you're going to look back, hopefully look back and say, wow, at least I started the journey and I had more money because of it or I'm more financially stable because of it. And so the book essentially breaks down how to achieve financial freedom and financial independence. So financial freedom, meaning you feel more at ease with your money. You're paying off debt. You're taking the vacation. You're buying the car you want, but you're also looking mm-hmm. at how can I walk away from a job that I don't like? You know, what's that plan yeah. if I want to quit in five years? How do yeah. I amass a million or $2 million? Like what are those steps to do it and how can I enjoy the journey? So I break down, I have a lot of frameworks where I, I break down the, the steps to get there, um, the lifestyle that you want to live, being really honest with the lifestyle you want to live and then how much money you need to live that lifestyle and the kind of work you're willing to put in to get that lifestyle. Because if you're simple, frugal, don't need a lot, then reaching financial independence is you don't need as much money. But if you do Mm -hmm. like the things and you want to take the trips and do all that, then you have to figure out, okay, how are you going to get to that larger number that you need to support your lifestyle? So I break that all down in the book because I do believe that everyone no matter what your starting point is, even if you're in debt, um, haven't been taught any financial uh, literacy, is that you can improve your financial life, which then improves your overall life so that you can be happy. What I love about your content and, you know, you can test out Jamila's content over at Journey to Launch podcast, but then the book is also coming out on December 5th. So Jamila, you are so relatable and you don't try to be this person who's like never drink Starbucks, never go on vacation, which just turns me off personally. I'm like, get out of here. (laughs) Not that I'm a Starbucks person, but I'm going to take the vacation. All of us have to identify what's that thing for me that it's the trip. Like I need a beach. I need a pool in my life at some point during each year, right? So 
you help people to identify how to live the lifestyle they want, not to excess, but to a level where they understand which sacrifices they need to make to do that, but not to live in misery either. Listen, when I first started my journey, so the difference between what most people hear about, like the general population, when they hear about personal finance are the basic stuff, which are very important, right? Budgeting and having a good credit score and paying down debt and putting maybe, I don't know what the the average percentage people tell you now for your retirement. It's like, and I say like, that's the average stuff. And if you do that, you'll live an average life, which is, can still be really great. Like there's nothing wrong with doing the average stuff with your personal finances. And then there is financial independence and the FIRE movement, which stands for financial independence, retire early. And I found the financial independence movement when I was in my job stuck with this one hour and a half commute. And it was more intense, way more intense than the general personal finance content, because in that community, when I first found it years ago, it was like, save 50% or more of your income, 80% if you can, you know, be super frugal, earn money, but don't spend it because you're investing all of it. And then it appealed to me because I was so despondent with my current situation that I wanted to get out of it. So I started on that path first where I said, you know what, we're going to invest and save as much as possible. You know, luxuries and vacations be damned. Like we're going to just <laughs> go all out. And as I started the path, I realized, you know what, this is not sustainable. Like I want to enjoy my life, mm -hmm. especially because, you know, it's not just me. I have a husband, three kids. We live in New York City. And so I just realized, you know what, this has to be a more balanced approach where it's not just about the money. Like I, it's a balance between the right. money and the lifestyle. So I just know that there are seasons in people's lives where you may have to be frugal in certain areas. But if you do mm -hmm. that thing, it allows you to live that luxury life, whatever that means for you, longer and right. more in the future. And so... Just because you're, you know, watching every dollar for a year because you're trying to get out of debt doesn't mean you have to watch it for the rest of your life. Or just because, you know, you need to maybe invest 50% or 30 or 20, whatever percentage of your income now means you have to do it forever. It's just these things you do in the meantime to get you where you want to be long term. And that's what I like talking about is that you can change your mind. Mm -hmm. You can try different techniques and you can enjoy the experiment of it all and still be financially sound and happy mm -hmm. with your life. And can you talk a little bit about how you balance the personal finance journey? How do you balance that with trying to start a business on the side and needing to invest in that business? So one of the things that can happen when you're very money focused and numbers focused is that mm -hmm. because you think of, you look at the money in just numbers is that you want to risk like see a return like on everything. Like, you know, you analyze, you tick and tie things or you're very frugal, not only with your personal finance, but then when it comes to your business, which makes sense when you're just starting, there's no reason to, you know, get the most expensive website and systems, right? You don't have to do that right away. So what I've found right. that was a blockage for me and some of my, you know, friends in the space is that they don't mm -hmm. want to spend money to help their business. And I'm, again, I'm not talking about elaborate non-necessities, but, you know, getting an assistant maybe um, for a few hours a week to help offload something so they can focus on something else, things like that. And so when it comes to pursuing financial independence, but then also starting your business, I think it's important to look at the whole overall structure of your life and your goals. So are you 
like working a full-time job. So this was me working a full-time job that made great money, but it wasn't something I wanted to do with my time full-time. I'd Mm -hmm. rather work in my own business and still pursue financial independence, even if that meant I made less money. So because I knew that was the new path that I was going to take once I figured out that's what I wanted to do, I adjusted my financial independence plan. Whereas when I was working full-time, my goal was I'm going to invest and save so much money that over the next seven Mm -hmm. years that I will have reached financial independence. By the time I got to year two, I was like, I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to sacrifice five years of my life working in this job, commuting to reach financial independence by 40, which is how old I am now. Like, I'd rather it take me longer and I reach it at 55 if that's the case, but that I'm enjoying my day-to-day life and I'm not stuck in a commute or a job I don't like. So I think it's just important to figure out like what your overall goals are, what you're willing to tolerate, you know, what your obligations are in life. If you know you have children or a partner, right? Like coming to terms on that, but then think about your, whether it's your full-time job as an investor in your business, right? So if you're wanting to start a side hustle or eventually make it your full-time thing, how can you plan for that and use the money that you're making to do that? And then if you are currently an entrepreneur, which I'm pretty sure, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you are or at least side hustling. How are you creating wealth for yourself? Because what happens a lot for entrepreneurs is that, you know, you're making money, but you're not transforming it into real wealth. Yes. You're getting income into the business, but where does that go? How are you setting yourself up so that you don't have to be on the hamster wheel of selling whatever product you don't want to sell or right, showing right. up online and doing, you know, a dance that you don't want to do on a reel, right? So mm-hmm. you have to be smart. <laughs> you have to be really smart. And I, this is where it merges in that the income you're bringing into your house, whether it's from a nine to five, or side hustle or entrepreneurship? How is it moving you through getting out of debt, investing, building a nest egg for yourself so that you don't have to do that forever? Right. So two big takeaways from this conversation before we jump into the lightning round. Number one, it's When you're side hustling and also trying to take care of your personal finance journey, trying to set yourself up for wealth in the future, it's to be really strategic about what you spend money on. Sometimes you have to fight the temptation to have this most fabulous website or this most fabulous wardrobe or how you think you need to show up because you're looking at people on Instagram who are probably broke, if we're being honest, or scamming or (laughs) what else? You know, there's so many... Nuance things that you don't know what's going on behind the screen. So be mindful of not comparing to that and spending for that because you think that's how you have to show up. Because honestly, it's not. It's not. Um, people are attracted to authenticity, legitimacy. So if I believe and I trust what you're teaching me, I don't care what you're wearing. I do not care what your website looks like. All right. The second piece is as we get money as side hustlers, We have to invest it back into the business. We have to figure out what we're doing with that cash. Sometimes we want to hold on to it as cash because we want to be liquid, right? If an emergency happens, we don't want to, you know, have to cash out investments, pay the government tax, all this other stuff. However, 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 be mindful of putting just some, a little bit at least aside into these investment accounts, which, you know, is something that I'm shifting even more of my income and attention to in this season of my life. But I wish I'd done more in the beginning because you're setting yourself up not just to have like this 
pile of money, right? When 401ks were first presented to me, it seemed like, okay, we're saving for retirement and we're going to live off this money. But no, you can actually be living off the interest. All right. So the money itself is never dwindling down. If you set yourself up and learn from Jamila's book, you could actually put yourself in a position where you live off interest. So your money pot is not just going away. It's not a savings account. It's a wealth investment account. Yeah. Nikayla, can I add something there? Because oh, yeah. I, Go ahead and I want to. Yeah. So I thought the same thing when I was presented with my 401k and I was 22 and yeah. I just graduated and they were like, you know, here you could put this percentage in. And I'm like, for when? I When do I get that? At 60? <laughs> I'm like, no, I want my right, money now. Right. <laughs> and it makes sense. Like it is hard, you know. So there's different types of wealth. And the wealth that I am talking about mm-hmm. when it comes to investing in your traditional retirement accounts and investment accounts, it's silent wealth. It's invisible wealth. Um, and the wealth that we often see and that we like, you know, the cars, the house, like all this stuff, you can see it. It signals to other people that you're important and that, you know, maybe, you know, what you're talking about and you are of value. And so I know, and there's a lot of, um, insidious and just deep rooted things on why, especially people of color and black people tend to spend more on the physical attributes of wealth, especially when you have not been valued or don't feel valued in the country. You know, you want to show people, hey, I'm supposed to be here, too. So I get the deep rooted reasons to why our community sometimes spends more in those areas. And what I want to talk more about and show more is that there is a silent stealth wealth that allows you so much more. And and it still allows you to still flex if you want to still allows you to have the nice car if you want to. But I really want like even my life to be a testament of, you know, someone could see me and we don't have the nicest car now. We may upgrade our cars soon, but, you know, we have like regular cars and, you know, we, I think, live for the most part modest lives. But the fact that like I can go to the beach three times (laughs) this week and say, "Ah, I'm not doing that today, (laughs) like something that had scheduled, that's well, that's a type of wealth to me. And that's why sometimes I share that on, you know, my socials is because I want people to see that. It's more about the flexibility of your life. And so back to the 401k. Yes, that is a long-term investment. You're not supposed to touch that. It's not like you invest in it today and you go take it out in a week. You want it to grow. But I'll tell you how it benefits you today is that if you set yourself up to where you have enough money, so you're investing consistently and you reach something called Coast FI. So Coast FI is the point at which you have enough in your investment account. So across Mm -hmm. your retirement accounts, your non-retirement accounts, where if you never put anything else into it, it grows up until the standard retirement Mm -hmm. age. So or 59, 69, whatever the age you want to retire in the future where you have enough to retire. So literally, like, let's just say you amass $300,000 or $200,000 in your all your retirement accounts and investment accounts by the certain age, right? And you don't put anything else into it but it will still grow because of compound interest in the next 20, 30 years. What does that allow for you to do then with your income? If you wanted to, it allows you your income to cover your lifestyle. It allows you to take more risk because you're not worried about, you know, I'm not investing for my future or I need to invest in my retirement account or I need to mm-hmm. pay off debt. Like if you do the steps, this, I talk about the steps in the book, you pay off the debt, you get to a great place with your investments. You have more flexibility with what you do with your income. And you can earn less if you want to and work less because you don't need to because you're already set for the future. So the whole idea of that, the 401k or investment accounts only help you in the future. I get it. But I'm trying to let people know, like, it actually is a benefit to you today once you get started because you have that nest egg Mm -hmm. and you can take more risk with your income and with your money now. 
Yes, there's so many things, so many nuanced things that kind of are missing from the conversation when, you know, you might start your first job that has a 401k in your 20s and it's presented to you and you just, I guess because it's just, it gets complex and it's too much to present in the one hour session from the the HR team. (laughs) But just know, investing, 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 investing. If you're not doing it now, start doing it. And if you don't know where to start, start with Jamila's book. So again, that's your journey to financial freedom coming out December 5th. Make sure you run it up the charts, y'all. Support, support, support. Now let's jump into a quick lightning round. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So we need to know what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience. So I'll give two resources in regards to the book process. So I talked about how I immersed myself into podcasts. And I feel like two podcasts that Mm -hmm. I really started to listen to for different reasons was the Beautiful Writers podcast by Linda. She was on my podcast. I should know her last name, but it's escaping me now. But Linda, like she has on the like top writers, New York Times bestsellers, or just people who have been influential in writing. And they talk mostly about the writing process and what that feels like and what it looks like and a little bit of marketing. But I think I I really listened and loved it because Mm -hmm. of just, you know, what makes a perennial seller? What makes great content? How does this person who seemed bigger than life, like create a book that changes lives? So I love her podcast, um, Beautiful Mm -hmm. Writers. And then the one for more like technical um, understanding how the publishing world works was the self-publishing school podcast. And they will have on people who are self-publishers okay. and the people who go traditionally, but it runs the gamut of um, everything from marketing to writing. And I'll tell you again, I'll listen. I, I When I was in my moment and trying to learn, I was listening to those podcasts nonstop. Ooh, those are really good resources. Thank you. Um, number two, who is a Black woman entrepreneur that you would want to switch places with for a day and why? You know what? Because I feel like while I, the ones I respect and like really enjoy, I know that they are probably working really hard. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do what you're doing. <laughs> but you know who? <laughs> you know, Issa Rae. I feel like I really admire yeah. You know, of course, Oprah would be like the just top one. But I think honestly, when it comes to someone like who's more in our my age range and someone I'd want to like meet and learn from is yeah. Issa Rae, just because she recently had a um, a reel where she had doing she was doing the Barbie run or promo. And I don't know yeah, if you yeah, saw it. And yeah. she was like no back in her run. office, uh-huh. right? Or back on her desk. Yeah. And she was like the ghetto, like yeah. you thought you had it, huh? It showed her doing <laughs> promo of the Barbie tour and how fabulous she looked. And then it kind of showed her real life. She's yeah. on her computer working. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we for, like, yes, the red carpets. And when you go viral, you get mm-hmm. a lot of likes about something flashy, like that feels good. But a lot of that, the work is very yeah. silent. It's very it's understated and sometimes you don't know what it looks like because you don't see it. But I know that she's probably working a lot. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's pretty cool because I know sure. we do that, For right? Sure. We do it behind the scenes. You don't see everything. Yeah. I know people try to share, but yeah, when you really just into it, locked down in your work, like you're not thinking about picking yeah. up the camera. Um, so number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day these days? Oh, Monday through Friday, it's working out. And I say Monday through Friday because the weekends, I'm just like, I'm chilling. But (laughs) uh, yeah, so I really do like to get out and either run or go to the gym and hit weights. I just feel better 
when I do it. And so that's mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Ooh, yeah. I see you on your IG yeah. stories doing that. So inspirational. Um, number four, what is a personal trait about you that you think has helped you significantly in business? That I'm persistent. I'm persistent in that even when things don't feel like they're working out, I keep going. And, you know, I figure it out. I was going to say persistent and consistent, which I do think go hand in hand. But Uh persistence, I think, is really what it is. Yes. Number five. Finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Well, you're right to be concerned, <laughs> not to scare you. <laughs> it's something that, you know, I I look back and I'm like, wow, that did feel good to know you just had a check coming in, you know. But yeah, so my advice would be if there's a thought in your head about something or an idea, like it was placed there or you thought it for a reason. Sometimes we, you know, we may have a thought and be like, oh, that's crazy. Like, that's not possible or that can't happen. And I'm like, if you have the thought, like it is possible, it can happen. And so to think about your dreams or your aspirations as being legitimate and that they can come true. And yes, it may take some work and some money or time and it may not be easy. But I just know from experience, I won't have the life that I have today if not for going after it and following like the dreams in my head, clicking on those hyperlinks. And so if you have this idea or thought in you, um, follow it, follow the Mm -hmm. next best step. It doesn't have to be the greatest and biggest step, but follow the next best step that's in your brain and heart. Yes. And, you know, I'll just share this quick anecdote about Jamila, you know, because we were in a podcast mastermind together. We would meet, you know, virtually once a month, just catch up, share tips and advice. And I remember probably like after you left your job, because we probably started it maybe 2019. And, you know, you were talking about your revenue streams, they still weren't really working. Like you were not making a lot. And I remember thinking like, I'm stressed for you. Like... (laughs) You got kids. Are you talking about you making how much? Like, how how could you have left already? Like, what's going on? But you just remained so level-headed and so calm and so focused on the goal that you were going to get to. Like, it's like you knew. You knew you were going to get to a better place. And I believe because of that, I knew. But I also knew that, you know, you made sure you had that savings and that runway to pay the bills because you were, you know, it's a two-parent household. You're still both contributing to the bills. But just the fact that you didn't let those early days or months of not making your old income dissuade you from continuing And if I could just add on that, you know, even when I think forward, if I think too much about (laughs) where I'm going in the future, I'm like, ooh, that seems interesting too because, (laughs) you know, I don't, again, have it all mapped and figured out. But what brings me back to feeling okay is that I think what's the worst that can happen? I mean, things can get really bad, right? If like I I don't earn any money, but not really because, again, I set myself up doing those financial steps that it can't like there's fallbacks. There are ways in which like we will be okay. And even on the points where I didn't Mm -hmm. know if I'd be okay, I've always been okay. History has shown itself that things are working out for me. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I follow that, you know? And so again, I just want people to know or understand that it's things are working out for you too, even when it doesn't feel like that, but especially when you have the systems in place to catch you when you fall, like that makes you feel even more confident. So get those systems in place. 
Yes, I get those systems because they will help to alleviate some of the fear and the stress and the anxiety that comes with this path when you know like, hey, I have a backup nest egg that's growing. Hey, this, you know, 100 or or 50 that I'm putting in is going to turn into this by this date. It's so much more reassuring. So thank you. Thank you for showing us that pathway that it exists and for being on the show. Where can people connect with you after this yes. episode? So first, if you want to pick up my book, it's out December 5th. You can go to your journey to financial freedom dot com. I'm on social media at journey to launch everywhere. So Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm mostly on Instagram. And then depending on when this episode drops, I am definitely doing some great pre-orders bonuses. So whether it's a pre-order or just when you buy the book, if you want to get something special for just buying the book, go to your journey to financial freedom dot com. All right. There you have it. You guys buy a copy and also gift it to someone you love. I will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.